Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I never even thought of changing the date of the election. Why would I do that? November 3rd. It's a good number. Uh, no, I look forward to that election. And uh, that was just made up from- It's an election year that promises to be unlike any other. Coronavirus raises question about conventional campaign strategy, typical talking points, even how and when Americans will go to the polls. Hello, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. The country continues to struggle with the coronavirus. It is the story, as it should be, in the media spotlight, a global pandemic and economic calamity that follows along with it. Obviously, those two things have upended the presidential election. But that doesn't mean that both Donald Trump and the presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden and their teams are not actually moving forward with the campaign. So we wanted to take a moment and check in on the status of this campaign in these uncharted waters with me to discuss all of that. We've got Washington correspondent Ryan Nobles, who's covering the Trump campaign, and national political reporter Eric Bradner, who's covering the Biden camp. Thanks to you both for being here. Really appreciate it. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. Ryan, I just want to get your initial thoughts You know, the plan, and I don't think there's any plan that is still in place from where it was before this, the plan for the Trump team was twofold. It was to make sure this wasn't a referendum election on Donald Trump, knowing that he's a president that has never had in the entirety of his presidency majority approval in the country. So make it a choice and and be sure to tear down whoever his Democratic opponent was going to be. That was part one. And part two, identify Trump supporters that basically didn't come out in 2016. Those two things combined drive up those voters that didn't exist before, in addition to getting the diehards out, of course, and and taking down the opponent. That seemed to be the path. Now, is there any doubt in the Trump campaign's mind right now that because of coronavirus, it is inevitable that this is going to be a referendum on Donald Trump? Well, I think that they still hope that at some point they're going to get this distinction between Joe Biden and Donald Trump and uh, be able to offer that up to to voters uh, and to a certain extent just drag down Joe Biden, not necessarily prop up President Trump. But every Republican that I've talked to in the week and a half or so that I've been on this beat is increasingly making it clear that this race really isn't even anymore about Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump versus COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And basically every issue set that you had on the table, you know, whether it be even a wedge issue like abortion, immigration, uh, you know, some of these kind of bread and butter issues that Republicans often run on that would be something that the Trump campaign would highlight. 
uh, all basically get thrown out the window and it's all going to be about the response to coronavirus and then the economy as a result. Uh, and so uh, to your point, that becomes that referendum on President Trump that I think they hoped to avoid. They really thought that there was an opportunity for them to make this uh, as much about Joe Biden as it is about Donald Trump. I think it makes it very difficult for them to do that. A, because Biden isn't out there. Uh, he's unable to be out there. And B, because so much of the country's focus right now is on coronavirus. And there's no one that has a bigger role in that process than President Trump. So and you already see that campaign starting to recognize that they are starting now to really focus in on the argument that they believe that President Trump has done a good job handling this and they want to convince the American people of that. Yeah, the American people, just to be clear, are not there in all of the polling. It indicates that a majority of Americans disapprove of his handling of this. There was this brief bump uh, right after sort of the stay-at-home orders were put in place and the enormity of the situation was clear, rally around the flag kind of moment, but not nearly as a big of a bump as incumbent presidents usually get in a time of crisis. And then that pretty much has disappeared. But you are right. They are leaning into it. You've got a story on CNN uh, Digital today about this ad. I want our listeners to just hear a, a bit of this new digital ad that is trying to uh, use some Democrats actually as validators for Trump's handling of this crisis. Fact is, every time I've uh, called the president, he's quickly gotten on the line. When we asked to get support for that mercy ship in Southern California, he was able to direct that in real time. What the federal government did working with states was a phenomenal accomplishment. Uh, we got I'm not sure, Ryan, that they asked Governor Gavin Newsom of California and Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York for permission to use their voices in this digital ad. But what, what is the campaign thinking in doing this? I'm quite sure they didn't. And the campaign's thinking is is pretty clear here. They want to show uh, Americans, particularly swing voters, people that you know might be considering both Biden and uh, President Trump, that there are Democrats who feel that President Trump has handled this well. Now, what they're leaving out is the criticism that's come from a lot of these Democratic governors at the same time. And also the big thing that you can't uh, put into this ad, that, and we try and make clear uh, in our story today, is the careful balance that these Democratic governors find themselves in. You know, that their goal in this situation is not necessarily political. It's one of getting the aid and help that they need for their constituents. And that is directly tied to President Trump and the administration. And frankly, President Trump is the type of person that responds to praise and to kind words and someone that pushes back hard if someone is critical of him. So, uh, you know, it's a smart ad. You know, if you watch it, you're definitely taking it aback. And, you know, there are most people that see it are not going to find the context involved in it. And this is exactly the kind of thing that the Trump campaign is trying to do to spin the narrative about how he's handling the coronavirus. It's just amazing, though, because it is something that I think prior to coronavirus, we never would have seen the Trump campaign attempt because they really have not at all been about playing for the middle. I still don't think it's a huge part of their calculation, but this is so intriguing because of how much coronavirus and this pandemic has permeated through the entire culture. This play for Americans broadly is fascinating. Eric, one thing Ryan said earlier was this notion that, you know, trying to take advantage of the fact they are that Joe Biden is not out there campaigning. I'm wondering in all your conversations with the Biden campaign, is that a bad thing? Do they see him as being sort of trapped in his basement and not being able to be out there on the campaign trail in any kind of way as a negative? Or do they see this as sort of like not bad, just step out of the way and let the country see and review how Donald Trump handles this crisis? 
Yeah, I, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. It's not ideal because uh, the tools that enable you to sort of capitalize on this moment on social media and in terms of just doing interview after interview after interview, th- these are things that aren't really in Joe Biden's comfort zone. He's not one of these candidates who's able to just go on Instagram Live all day and drive a message. But as polling has sort of shifted and it's become clear that the president's handling of coronavirus isn't seen as as strong or, or boosting him, I think they've settled into a comfort zone where they are happy that the idea that this is a referendum on Trump's handling of this is that's that's a good place for him to be. Biden is out not making mistakes. He's not doing anything to sort of distract from the national focus on Trump and the government's handling of this. So I think that the Biden campaign would like to have opportunities to fundraise in person, to, to keep the candidate himself happy with 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 doing in-person events, getting to shake hands. He's a, someone who enjoys retail politics, thrives on retail politics. But in, in terms of their overall prospects for, for November, yeah, I, th- I think they, as polling shows that the president's handling of this is is being seen as poor by, by more Americans, uh, they're getting more and more comfortable with, with sort of where they are right now. Yeah, I mean, even yesterday's event with Hillary Clinton, when she was endorsing him, uh, she made note of the fact that he's like one of the great retail politicians and it must be killing him, she said, uh, that he can't be out there. I do think we have to be a little careful. I'm sure they're happy with where they are six months out. We have no idea where this story is going to be come the fall. I have no idea if the narrative in October is going to be all about economic recovery and that uh, the country is on its way back or that this fall version of the virus is actually so much worse than anyone predicted and like society has to shut down again. Ryan, how in your conversations with the Trump campaign do they plan for just all these unknowns of what the fall will look like? You know, you see them uh, subtly laying the groundwork for all those possible scenarios. You know, one of the big talking points that you see coming out of Republicans right now is you already had a president that uh, had put position the economy uh, at a roaring pace, better than it's ever been before. Isn't this the person that you want to be in charge of the economy once things get back to normal? So that, you know, laying the groundwork for that scenario you're talking about uh, in uh, September where things start to open back up again and they're saying that President Trump will be the person best able to get the country back up and running. Uh, You know, the other thing that you see them doing is uh, describing the coronavirus as a situation and a crisis that uh, any president uh, would have been overwhelmed by, that this was something that was a once in a generation, once in a lifetime event. And this is something that they use the word inherited over and over and over again uh, as a way to describe that this isn't his fault, that this is something that he's tried to manage. And then the the third part of it, to your point, uh, is also, uh, you know, trying to uh, make the argument that he's handled the situation well, uh, given the current circumstances. But David, you know, I think, you know, the even broader point here is, these are decisions that are being forced to be made on a day-to-day basis. You know, uh, you know, campaigns to a certain extent are always uh, impacted by events. You know, as much as you want to plan for things, uh, you often do not get that opportunity because things happen. But this is on a level which we've never seen before. And I think you're going to see these candidates uh, being forced to adapt to these things. Uh, you know, the way things look today is going to look so much different than they are a month from now than they will in July and beyond. 
Eric, I'm wondering, so in your conversations with the Biden folks, Ryan and I were talking a, a bit ago about this notion of a referendum on Trump or a choice. Do you sense from your reporting that Team Biden is prepared for uh, the Trump effort to make it a choice? And are they starting it all to respond back in any way? Or do they think the voters are just not tuned in to sort of that traditional to and fro between the candidates yet? I think they are aware of what's coming. They don't believe voters are, are that tuned in yet. They're they're aware that this is coming, but I don't know about their preparedness. As I've talked to them, they, they seem to think that the same muscles that got them through the Democratic primary and, and the same assets that helped them there, Joe Biden being someone who is universally known and, and recognized and and has the brand of being Barack Obama's number two for eight years, a sense that voters feel differently about him than they did Hillary Clinton four years ago. Um, they, they seem to think that those assets will continue to carry him or insulate him from um, some of these personal attacks. I'm, I'm not sure that's true. And I think you've heard some concern among Democrats that Biden has not, for example, beefed up his digital operation quickly enough in this moment where there isn't a lot he can do in terms of, of on the ground organizing and, and events. So I, I, I think they they see it coming. They're they're aware and they, they think that they're going to be able to respond to these personal attacks in a forceful way that undercuts their effectiveness, right? They think that anything Trump can give them, they can can give back even stronger. The other piece of business that they need to accomplish, of course, is picking a vice president. Joe Biden has said that he is going to pick a woman. Uh, by the end of this week, we expect some formal announcement rollout of the process and how they're doing the vetting and who's running that for the Biden campaign, all under the shadow of this Tara Reid story that is not going anywhere. This, you know, woman who worked in a Senate office in 1993 who is alleging a sexual assault that Joe Biden, she says, uh, committed on her. And now our MJ Lee just reported that she had spoken to a neighbor of Tara Reid's from the mid-90s who recalls Tara Reid telling her this story of sexual assault uh, back in the mid-90s. And each one of these female potential VP candidates gets asked about it like Stacey Abrams did on Don Lemon last night. Here's a little snippet of that. I believe that women deserve to be heard and I believe that they need to be listened to. But I also believe that those allegations have to be investigated by credible sources. I believe Joe Biden and I think that he is telling the truth and that this did not happen. Eric, is there any sense from the Biden campaign that they want the candidate himself to address this Tara Reid allegation head on? I think they're increasingly aware that he's going to have to. And I want listeners to understand something. This is, to me, one of the more frustrating parts of, as a campaign reporter, being off the road, not being able to to cover these candidates in person. We are doing the best we can, and, and, and the Biden campaign is sometimes making him available for interviews, especially with local outlets. He's doing these virtual town halls. But what we lose in this is the in-person opportunity to to ask questions in an unscripted or, or perhaps unexpected sort of way. But because of this moment and because we're not getting that in-person access, there haven't been opportunities to ask those questions in a press conference or or something like that. So Biden hasn't 
been forced to answer questions directly, especially in light of the new reporting about uh, about Reed having told neighbors um, at the time. So I do think the volume of this has made clear to the Biden folks that they are going to have to have him personally respond at some point. What that will look like, I, I, I think there's still disagreement and uncertainty over that. But this story is not going to go away. And it's certainly not going to go away until Biden himself responds to it. Guys, I'll have to have you back our next conversation. Go and do the reporting on both your campaigns and find out if they think Justin Amash entering in this race as a libertarian makes it more difficult for that candidate or makes it easier for that candidate. I'm dying to know the answer to that question. But David, David the president already said he welcomes Amash into the race. So he, That's he, true. He, at least he's, uh, he compared him to Jill Stein. So there, I've already done some reporting for you on that. I read his Twitter feed. <laughs> Ryan Nobles, Eric Bradner, thank you so much for being here. Stay safe on the virtual trail. Thank you, David. All right, thanks, David. And thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps other people find the show. And if you want to tweet about the podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.